Herald of Steel beckons. War on the horizon. Chaos reigns supreme. But who will save us? Beckons of the Herald of Steel is a 5th edition homebrew campaign. It is a high fantasy and old school flavored campaign run by me, the young Rognard, and my friends. Let's meet those friends now. I am Anthony Santiago, and I'm playing Norhill Hammerstone, Dwarven Fighter. I'm Jared, and I'll be playing Jarzak, the Orc Warlock. I'm Ryan, and I'm going to be playing Klika, the Goblin Sorcerer. I'm Veronica. I'll be playing Anton, the Human Cleric. While many prophecies are written, our story has yet to be completed. Follow us into adventure. Welcome back to the podcast. It is I, Brognard the Young, the Young Brognard, kicking it to you live with the Beckons of Herald of Steel campaign with the newest adventure in the series of adventures, The Kings, with the quest, Ascabellum. Our heroes in the last episode were dealing with a certain rusty, crusty dragon named Tartharsis, and we're uh, trying to figure out how to get a certain scale to provide for the uh, gnomes in order to make a certain dust bomb to cleanse the halls of silver and steel, get rid of the Durgar. You know that old dribble. If you've made it this far in the podcast, you know what happened last time. I don't need to explain it. But anyway, our wonderful heroes are bouncing on their way home out of a secret tunnel from the mountains of uh, Keratos, uh, heading back to the gnomes now uh, in order to complete this task. So with that in mind, uh, the last episode, the party found some magical gemstones, which... And I can't recall off the top of my head if we actually dove too deep into what those stones were, but the party done found some Ion stones, which I don't know if somebody was going to pick them up and take them right off the bat or yep. not, but yeah, that there was a fancy schmancy elemental gemstone as well. So, so both of them, all of them, I'm pretty sure they require uh, attunement, right? They do indeed. I remember looking that up at least. Is Jarzak currently attuned to many things? Because I feel like he's got a... Yeah, is one thing. What's that? I assume the, the glove needed attunement, right? Nah, you paid the cost with your arm. Oh, like, okay, you, well then... You bought in with skin and bone. Oh, and yeah, everything. I can do all of them. No, I'm just kidding. That is an attuned item. Um... But hey, I mean, if you want to pass it off, you can give it to somebody else and they can attune to it. Maybe they can lose their arm too. Yeah. I, okay. Yeah. I take the gauntlet. <laughs> no, I, yeah, I, that... I, to I toss the uh, elemental gemstone of water to whoever's looking. Oh, think fast. On the, ground. <laughs> the water elemental comes out of it and just starts beating the shit out of you guys. <laughs> like, no, 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 no. You know, that that whole glove talk reminds me, it's super quick aside, but it is just too funny. There was a, a YouTube video, I can't I can't quote uh, where it came from specifically, but the whole joke was that the party found the hand of Vecna, and one of the party members cut his hand off real quick, and he's like, I'm going to put it on. They're like, don't do it. And he's like, too late, I cut my hand off. And they're like, which hand did you cut off? He's like, uh, left? And they're like, it's a right-handed hand. <laughs> he's like, oh, no. <laughs> He's like, I take the stupid hand. But anyway, uh, so with that in mind, Jarzak puts the glove on the other arm the incorrect way and breaks his other hand. Uh, but, you know, that's how he became bony arm Jarzak. Oh, no. Not because he's not strong. So anyway, party shuffles down the uh, rocky slope here and head their way over to the forest where Caracol and Margay, our halfling companions who led you all here, are sitting by a small dwindling campfire as the night sky seems to take over. Um, so what would you guys like to do here at the campfire? Sleep? <laughs> Just show up and face plant in the dirt. Thunk. Yeah, Dress my uh, breath weapon wounds. Covered in yeah, rusted I... random stab wounds and just pass <laughs> out. Very good. 
Okay. I mean, uh, the uh, ion stones that you had, uh, do you recall the benefits of those ion stones? Yeah. Uh, which the one that no longer requires breathing, uh, Drazak's definitely going to be scooping that. That's terrifying. Now you can just like challenge things to breathing contests. You're like, hold your breath longer than I can. <laughs> I'll defeat you, ghost. Charizard will never get longer. defeated by a river again. <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's the key feature. And then the one other one uh, protects from aging. Mm-hmm. Um, which, yeah, he's willing to part with that. So whoever who wanted the uh, elemental gemstone of water, so I can remove that. From my inventory. Anybody want a super cool boom boom rock? Any takers? No? Seems like an item that Anton would be able to get the most use out of. Yeah, I got this blue stone. Uh, yeah, I'll it. hold it. I don't think Anton needs the stone of aging. He's already like way past that point in his life. He doesn't. He, yeah, <laughs> what's the yeah, point of stopping? It, it, it prevent you from doing it anymore. Yeah, forever arthritis. Um, uh, he is. Mm, it won't get rid of arthritis, won't it? No, never mind. I mean, it retains a youth, uh, youthfully vigor. Like it keeps you feeling the best you can possibly feel for your age. Oh, you know, it is sure. that subjective. I mean, yeah, but that's you know, Anton's forever walking on sunshine with that rock. I mean, if no one else wants the aging one, Jarzak will take it. He just was willing to part, <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, uh, retain my youth. It just constantly keeps trying to grow back his hand that keeps being removed by the glove. He's just in constant pain. <laughs> Anton will just take, um, he'll take the water elemental um, gemstone. Okay. Yeah, you could keep the aging one. It, it, and it, that it, works it, like it, the uh, summon elemental skill. Okay. Mm -hmm. So with that, Caracol and Marge kind of just assume you guys have seen some shit, judging by how wounded you all come back covered in rust and coughing up red dusty clouds and just face planting on the ground in front of them. And for that reason, they just like slowly shuffle a pot of beans over towards you guys, but just leave it there next to your pile up of uh, unconscious bodies. And uh, I guess they just kind of back off for the evening and Caracol begins to play a small little piccolo flute and play some wonderfully little halfling jiggy tunes that are nice and delicate on the nighttime air. Very relaxing as you guys go to rest, but again, they don't bother. And in the morning, you guys are fed another round of meals from the halflings who have quite a lot of provisions prepared. But as they begin the journey back with you guys, with the uh, mounts to the city of Enton, um, they, I guess at this point, Marge kind of, you know, uh, breaks the silence there. And she just says, so did you, did you kill it? It turned out that the dragon was surprisingly agreeable in certain circumstances. Yeah, Marge starts to look up and down everybody's cuts, wounds, and potential tetanus. It's <laughs> just like uh, agreeable. That doesn't, that doesn't look agreeable <laughs> to me. And Caracol just kind of chimes in at his point, and he says, "Well, I guess as agreeable as a grumpy dragon could be, I, you know." But with that, they just sort of take this as a hint that perhaps the matter was more dire than it seems. And with that, they just stay quiet. The party ends up in Enton by the uh, fall of night again. And at this point, you guys shuffle into the city. I uh, imagine going towards the uh, fancy shiny tower here to meet with the mages, the, uh, you know, group with the uh, fancy staff, the old man and such. And mm -hmm. as you guys uh, head to that location and alarm them of your success, uh, what would you guys like to do as the council sits and waiting, hearing of your entrance back into the city? What would you like to say to the council now that they're all sort of here waiting for you? You guys do the fancy rainbow jaunt and travel into the crystal dome here. Before we go in, Norhill would like to confer with Klika. Sure. Uh, Klika, excuse me. Before we go, I'd like to ask, how much do you think we ought to tell the council? Um, oh, like shit. Sure. Like, <laughs> you mean about Tharth Tharth Tharthar Tharja? Um, 
I mean, I guess if we tell them the truth, maybe they'll tr keep trying to help him. But if we don't, maybe they'll just leave him alone. Um, Klika, Klika thinks we should tell them the truth because they're helping us and, well, it's, it's, they should know that they've been forgiven. Very good. And the fact that the dragon hailed you as the child of destiny? Um, well, uh, there are a lot of people that we meet seem to do that. Because <laughs> really not sure. I, I, if you think they need to know, we can tell them. I suppose it'll help them understand why we were able to parlay. So long as you're comfortable with it. Seems to me that it's your story to tell. Yeah, Klika will be okay. Okay. Uh, Norhill is satisfied with that. Good. So with that, the party end up traveling through the Rainbow Gate into the scintillating chamber of crystal to meet with the colorful council here, the council of many colors. And before them sit the various colors of the rainbow, the gnomish council, as well as our old man friend sitting here on his little, his little post, little Aldo fell thistle. And so as you guys approach, the lady gnome in indigo robes, which you know is in Flambalam, uh, she stands forward and she says, you have returned and you have returned bearing gifts, I hope. Perhaps your quest was successful. Successful indeed. And with that, Aldo says, oh good, I thought you'd die. <laughs> the room stays stale and speechless at that comment. He says, unless you are dead. He's like, trust me, we thought so too. He says, wait a minute, are you dead? And he no, reaches we, out. We, he, did, uh, we did suffer a close call, but it turned out that following certain revelations, the dragon was more agreeable than one might have thought and indeed willing to forgive. Uh, Aldo continues to very subtly and sneakily attempt to poke Klika with his walking stick in order to make sure that she's corporeal and not actually a ghost, while also paying attention to the front as much as he can so nobody can see him attempting it. He ends up can, poking her in the eye. Can but, Klika um, make a slight of hand check to make it so uh, it looks like he poked right through her? Yeah, go for it. Hell yeah. I was also going to ask to make a slight of hand, but yours is better. <laughs> That's a 15. Okay, so as he pokes in at you gently, yeah, no, it, it, you manage to, like, bend your body in a way that the stick goes right <laughs> between your arm and, like, your ribs, and he just sits there and he just, like, feels no pushback, and anybody who's sitting next to him can see him all of a sudden go, <clears throat> or he's just like, <clears throat> and so with that, he says, click a wink. I, I make a motion for the council <laughs> that I'm allowed to poke this one. And he points over at Klika. And one of the members of the color council says... <laughs> Klika just makes spooky fingers at him. Aldo throws his staff and runs <laughs> to the other side. <laughs> one of the members of this council in the red, uh, Rudalu, stands forward and he, as he stands up, he says, Old man Felthistle, please gather yourself. They are not ghosts. And with that, he timidly walks towards you, creeping and crawling to go pick up his staff and sits on the other side of Klika, farther over near Anton and Norhill, and just continues to eyeball through the corner of his eye over at you. Not entirely sure that that wasn't rehearsed, but um, would that the council say, if it is the case that you have gathered this token that we were asking for, then we may begin the alchemical attempts as soon as possible. I'm sure the specimen you've procured is big enough. 
Hopefully. Um, who's actually carrying the oh, specimen? We left it back there. <laughs> he gave it to Klika, but it smelled like the bad kind of pennies, and Klika doesn't want that. <laughs> Caracol and Margaret are halfway to the other side to sell it to the Durgar <laughs> instead. But with that, the, uh, the scale is presented, and you can see a few gnomish eyes light up as they seem to be very pleased with the specimen. And as they send a steward to go pick it up and bring it over, put it into a locked dwarvish made chest, um, one of the members of the council, the one in yellow, seems to clear, clear uh, his voice. And he stands forward and he says, I, Gielish, spokesman of Glen, I have news. News that may be very important to all of you. I have sent scouts off to the mountain and they have been to the Gnomish outpost and traveled far within. We have seen a lot and we saw what could only be described as the portal and we were wondering if you knew anything about this. Anything more? All we know is that it has some connection to the immortals. And so with that, they all kind of like nod to one another and they say um, the same one, Gielish in the yellow. He leans forward again and says, right. But we noticed that something was missing from there. And we were wondering if you were currently in possession of something that belongs there that's not there now. I don't know what it could possibly be. And with that, a lot of the other gnomes kind of start to rabble, rabble, rabble amongst themselves and look at you guys again as if potentially you're deceiving them or something. And clearing his throat, the little gnome, Gielish, says again, I assume that there was some piece that belonged to the portal that is now gone. There's a strange... What'd you say? We returned a piece. You put it back there? Yeah, Tom kind of looks toward the other three because he kind of he he kind of passed out mid battle there, so <laughs> he can't probably. So if, you, if this is like a plot point that I'm supposed to remember, I super don't, and that's my fault as a player. So. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I we we had the to the arch. I remember that description. Yeah, we but... had the piece of metal from the ogre's tower. Yeah, so they're bringing up something from like back when we were in like cave okay 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 uh, I, I'm, I'm able to put it together in like a meta sense but i don't think norhill would be able to so i was there as well i you know examined i was able to examine the portal within you know an arm's length whatever it's made of ought to be indestructible perhaps even more than that how a piece could be missing is a mystery to me huh. didn't seem like a portal to me i went when you go through it, nothing happened. Well, all I can say is that there is some component missing, and if it is as indestructible as you say, a small slab that's been pulled out, not unlike a, a block of butter or cheese or something, a single brick of this material, if you were the only ones in there, apart from the initial inhabitants... You're the last and only ones I could ask if you had seen it. In what we know as academics of these portals, if we could complete the portal, we may be able to make contact with whatever's on the other side, potentially giving us some sort of defense against the Herald of Steel itself. But if you do not have that piece, then this may be a fool's errand and we may not have any connection to that place. So, I ask again, have you the piece from the Arch, or is this lost? 
Now I recall. Hold on, let me check my bags. <laughs> how did but how did the Herald of Steel come into this realm? Not through that portal itself. Could it be in? I mean, from what you guys remember from having dealt with the monks there um, and dealing with Olbroth's sister, she had mentioned that he came through that portal very specifically. And the portal itself had closed off almost like forcibly so. So something closed the portal and broke it by taking that piece out. And so... The question arises, does anybody have the piece with them? Because I know Jarzak was the last one to carry it. I'm pretty sure we left it there. Because it oh, was shit. It, like attached to the archway and we like that was it. Yeah, it like flung like a magnet. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so I could have I sworn Jarzak took it. I feel like there was a point where we mentioned Jarzak picking it back up again because it was like, that's weird. Maybe this is important. I could swear that was the exact conversation we had. Okay, so I guess in that case, Gilish is like, just kidding. I was <laughs> testing your loyalty. Here's the brick you decided to leave behind, which was very strange. I don't know why he wouldn't have taken it with you. But anyway, he says, if this is the piece that I guess was fucking missing, it fell out of your pocket when you came in here. <laughs> oh, that's why it wasn't in my back. <laughs> And so with that, um, Aldo says, that's really weird. Almost supernatural. And leans forward a couple inches to peek sideways over it towards Klika. <laughs> and then leans back. Makes the spooky fingers at him again. He, he all of a sudden blows out his mustache. He's like, <laughs> But um, with that, they say, this piece may help us to create a way to venture to the lands of the immortals, the plains of twilight, and to go perhaps find out how to handle this immortal. The Herald of Steel, by all descriptions and everything our field scouts have told us, he behaves not unlike an immortal himself. And our only chance of fighting him, his army, and whatever may be coming our way is to undo his existence through these means. I don't know how we might be able to craft this piece, and the dwarves don't have their forges open well enough at this point for us to be able to do anything about it. And so I'm afraid the best thing that we could offer you is to perhaps go outside, go to Ascabellum or, or somewhere else, and potentially find some sort of information on what to do with this piece. But why is simply in general to meddle with the land of the immortals? What? An enemy of ours once seemed to have done the same thing himself and not only led to bad ends for the two of them. And so with that, um, he says, I'm no scholar on the lands of immortals and all I know is much of what anybody else knows and what our libraries may teach us. And that's usually more through theological works and faith rather than anything else. But again... Those who are from the plains of the immortals, the, the lands of the immortals, they obey those rules even when they come here, making them deities in their own right on our plane. If we are to do anything about it, we will have to understand something more than what we do now. And so you may be the only ones with enough ability to handle this. And so Gilish kind of sits down for a second and Rudalu stands up and he says, as one of the higher ranking members of this council, I, I tend to agree that what we need to do is move forward. We can only hold our gates so long. With Amaroth having fallen, the kingdom having fallen, the queen, whatever state she may be in, it's only a matter of time before the orcs close in on Glory Wake. It's only a matter of time before our enemies swallow us up from the north to the south the best we can do now is try to find some sort of solution. And this looks to be the only thing we've got available. Is it true what you said, that the immortal, the Herald of Steel himself, was impenetrable, invulnerable to any form of attack, damage, or anything? Such as we observed. 
uh, such as we seem to be expect. entirely impervious to damage both magical and mundane. Then it would seem this is our only hope. And I'm afraid to send you on another quest, but this is not for the dwarves and this is not for the gnomes, but this is for all the free peoples of Amroth and whatever other bounds the Herald of Steel may be having his eyes upon. I'm afraid our only hope may be to figure out the, this portal. I mean, unless you have any other ideas of how to reach the land of immortals. And they kind of all begin to turn eyes towards Klika and say, if it is true what they say about you, you may be more of a connecting to this gate, some, some way of controlling this. You may be the only one who could guide a path to the immortals. Um, well, when Klika was by the gate, she did feel comforted by a presence coming from it, but she, Klika didn't try to approach any closer than, well, someone being cautious would. Gilish kind of steps forward again. He says, oh, well, even if you approached, the gate wouldn't have opened. It's incomplete, as he points to the uh, metal slab, which somehow fell out of Jarzek's pocket for a couple of months there um, and somehow managed to get here. Um, and so he says, if the portal was incomplete, there's no way to get through. Whether or not you would have had the coordinates and the soul to travel there, if it, the portal's incomplete, it wouldn't have worked. It may have been attuned, it may have been ready, but it wouldn't have worked. Somehow we need to figure out how we can potentially amend this piece. Or maybe if what we've heard is true of the RV, perhaps the natives there may know of another portal. You will have to go to Ascabellum and speak with the king himself. He may know something, and if not he, then... The avians. The avi? Yeah, the avians. They're the native people of the islands. Wait, I'm just trying to understand. I, I think I misunderstood. This piece is broken? It's not going to fit, but it belongs there. The slab that you have would not fit into the location where a piece is missing. Which makes sense if whomever removed it from the archway simply broke it off or pulled it out, as you said, like you know, a piece of cheese or butter from a larger block. It won't fit away, it won't fit back in the same way twice. Right. Somebody who had it removed or forcibly removed it from the portal never had the intentions of it ever fitting again. And if it's true that this is made of immortal steel, it may never be able to be fashioned back. But this is the only portal we know of and the only one we have some sort of control in. So I suppose the best we can do is go to ask Bellum and ask if his council of mages, if his, if his libraries have any form of information on this. I take it you've learned much from the elves of this? We've learned a bit. The elves were tight-lipped about everything they do. That sounds about right. But if what you say is true, it seems like they have been scorned by their connections to the immortals anyway. So I suppose that makes sense as well. But the Avians, they, they're, well, their connection to the Immortals is a bit different. So perhaps traveling there may fix some of these questions, may, may answer some, and perhaps give us some ability to figure something out. But the best we can do is afford you a boat some method of traveling out there. Again, asking you to leave this place is not something we do happily, but I think at this point it would also be best if you left as soon as possible. 
We are willing to pay money to afford you a very secretive escape from this place. We, we have found someone who's willing to take you and a very small crew. No questions asked for a certain price. Unfortunately, the lip around the pier is not as tight as we would hope. And it would seem people have already begun to talk about such a high price. So the best you can do is leave as soon as possible. How quickly can you be ready? I'll need to leave instructions for my people before I can go, but before the end of the day tomorrow. And with that, the uh, council member, the uh, Gnomish council member here, uh, Cablop, the alchemist from before, stands up and says, I will be able to hire many dwarves in order to help me with al alchemical preparations. I'll do the best I can to keep your people at work and generate some sort of a wage here. Something to keep them fulfilled and happy to be amongst our people while we prep this device and <clears throat> cleanse the halls. Wonderful. I couldn't ask anything more. And so, did anybody else have anything to say? Um, Tharzarja wants you all to know that he forgives you. With well, the, the uh, Cablop sort of kind of like half hiccup, like chokes on his own spit and he just kind of, <clears throat> I'm sorry. You spoke with Tartharja? Yeah. Um, he wanted you to know that and then he gave us his scale to help us out they all kind of look back and forth at one another and um Kevlob himself seems to like kind of almost like chuckle incredulously as he's like you you can't be serious after all that he's endured he's forgiving us it's um, one of the great paths. And so they all kind of just solemnly embrace the quietness of that last statement and just sort of look at each other and they say, you have done a great deed here, not only for us, but I suppose for all of the mortals on this plane, gifts of forgiveness like this and changing people's minds and paths. It's no small investment of time and no small task. You are all good people. And we wish you the best of luck in your travels to Ascabellum and dealing with the king himself. But we have fear that it will not be easy, even leaving. So you may stay here for the evening, perhaps too, but we would really hope that you would leave by morning light. In that case, Norhill is going to take his leave immediately uh, to go speak with his council and get everything settled. Okay. Did anybody want to go with Norhill? Or did you guys want to just go down to the Gnomish mini mall below the tower? I wanted to go with Norhill to just make sure they all had food. Try to use my create food as much as I could just to make sure they're all covered. Fair enough. There's lots of mouths to feed. It was, uh, it was Rudaloo who gave us the healing potions, right? Mm -hmm. He's sort of the most important who's been speaking the most here. Yeah, so Clicker will try and find him at some point to say thank you for okay. that. So as the council sort of adjourns and Norhill and Anton begin to get up to leave, uh, can I get a quick perception check from... Uh, Klika and Jarzak. Even die. It's a 14. Okay. What'd you say? It's a dang, but I rolled the 15. Shit. Yeah. So you said four, 14 and 15? Yep. Okay. 
So Jarzak is the only one who's capable of seeing this. You know, the DC 15 has got a hit like that. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and so what happens is bullshit. I had a 15 on the die. As uh <laughs> it was just too short. <laughs> so as Klika and Jarzak are heading over towards Rudalu as he's having a last little moment to speak with. Uh, somebody over here, Gilish, the one in yellow. As Klika seems to be heading that way, and Jarzak, you kind of stand up to stretch after having sitting on the floor or whatever. As you stand up, you see Rudalu begin to like turn to walk away and like go out elsewhere, and Klika is going to get his attention. But as she's going to get his attention, you see something blur past his feet almost impossibly quick, and he trips over it, falling hard, but like backwards diagonally and lands at Klika's feet. And as this thing skitters by, for a second, you think you saw a fox just for some reason dart between legs and run to the middle post where the staff is and just utterly disappear into nothingness. Uh, can I look kind of where the it came from? Before it came from like them? behind... Yeah, it came from behind somebody's legs. Like, just a couple people were standing there, and all of a sudden, you just saw someone pop out and run across and disappear. So you just look at the floor all over the place. You see absolutely nothing anywhere. Do any of the people over there where it kind of came from look off to me? No, and as you see Klika probably helping up uh, Rudalu and, you know, dusting off his clothing with a spell... You look over and you can see Aldo Felthistle look over at you as you're scouring the room. And as you look over at him, he just waves in an old man kind of way. And he gives a, a little gentle wink and turns back and starts to head out as well. Okay. I follow him. <laughs> okay. And so Norhill and Anton... Have already headed out, and you guys heading back to the dwarves at their little encampment. They've managed to sell some of their trinkets from the dwarvish uh, halls and sell their services as day laborers in exchange for large tarps and things to set up sort of a makeshift like tent camp out here. And it seems like almost like a music festival of camps, and they seem to be doing well enough for themselves uh, while the weather permits. But as a uh, and you are able to give all the instruction to everybody, but your uh, family are the uh, only ones who seem to want you to stay any longer than you say you're able to. Listen, I know that it's tough, and if it were my choice, I would not leave either, but there's too much left undone. This isn't about just us. This is about everyone, all of the peoples who call these lands home. And I don't need to worry you, but you all deserve the truth. Our enemy has painted a target on my head. And so long as I am elsewhere, the eyes of our enemy are away from the dwarves. You will be safer so long as I quest. And I'm afraid that I will likely not return until this is all over. And reluctantly, your father holding your son in his arm uh, pats you once on the shoulder and just kind of knowingly gives a single nod without saying even a single word as he turns away and walks off to one of the tents, leaving you with your wife. And she kind of leans in for uh, uh, like a gentle embrace with full of eye contact, but then she kind of just tears in her eyes, pulls in for a full hug here. And as she pulls you close to your ear, she whispers and says, please write, send notice, say anything. Just let me know that you're still alive wherever you are. She says, it's the not knowing that you're okay that worries me. She says, I know you'll do well, but she says, it's just so difficult. I've known the pain of not knowing. I won't force you to suffer the same. And so with that, she says, when you return, she says, I know your boy will be happy. Your father, myself, and all the dwarves, for we will have a good king with a great heart, with a mind simply for the goodness of all. And she gives you a single kiss and sort of embraces you one last time before letting you go.
And with that, Norhill will leave, uh, almost like unable to bear another minute, knowing that he's just going to have to, you know, go at some point. Uh-huh. And then Anton just sees it, and he's like, "Lame." Anton's <laughs> just improving your- his food creating skills. He's just like Gordon Ramsay, just fucking roll, just like slapping meat out of people's hands. <laughs> like this is my cat. No more, no more. <laughs> yeah, no more mud pies. <laughs> no more mud pies. Could be a little bit, a little bit more decent and decadent. Clay pie. Um, I've decided to start making clay quiches. I call them cliches, but I figured that name would be too cliche. Um, so with that in mind, uh, I guess Anton and Norhill, you have a moment to walk back under the night sky. Now that night is like completely officially here, walking back with torchlight to the city proper. Is there anything you two wanted to talk about? I feel like Anton doesn't have the most comfortable experience with nighttime now. <laughs> now. <laughs> I feel like just as of late. I feel like at least like Norhill can ten- can tell he's a little bit more tense than usual. And he 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 almost kind of not that he doesn't, but he's almost like he's still scarred by what the hell he saw. <laughs> uh, not didn't didn't like having that little encounter with the deceiver. So he's a little, I don't want to say he's afraid of the dark, but he's definitely much more on edge at night. Just says normal. He just says at least you have people to say goodbye to. Okay, Jesus. Because <laughs> I never have I to say goodbye to the I, light. I, well, <laughs> he's determined to sing on glory. Like at least, even though your home isn't here, you still have the people who make it your home. I cannot say what the fate is of Glory Wake now. I don't know if I'll ever return to it. We'll save Glory Wake too. Don't you worry. If we have time. <laughs> Meanwhile, Jarzak's <laughs> writing a note to his pen pal, the high priest. He's like, you've been talking to him this whole time? Like, yeah, I can have other friends. <laughs> like, yeah, but like my boss? Like, yeah. Do you talk about me? Yeah. Don't worry, there wasn't any poison sealed in that last letter. Could you imagine? <laughs> there just actually wasn't. It just freaks out and chases it down. Hinton's quest. And so with that, the party get a quick moment to gather themselves before heading over to the docks late in the evening to leave at first morning's lighter, potentially before that. Um... Were you guys looking to get a long rest before you headed out, or were you hoping to just get over there like at nighttime? Who's for contact? Like, who's who's bringing us there? Who we meet it with? Well, it would seem Caracol and Margay are going to be the reconnaissance to bring you over there, being trusted with the first quest of rangering. Now they're kind of trusted with this side of it as well. Did, did we long rest on the way back from the um, Dragon Cave? Yeah, you had an entire day. Oh, okay. Would the ship be able to leave before daylight? With the amount of money they've been paid, they could leave upside down. Okay, I understand. So, so uh, Norval guy... doesn't know anything about boats, so it's probably better to leave sooner rather than later. So the one yeah. I followed out? Yeah. And so as you follow Aldo, the uh, old halfling man there from the uh, villages that you first came in through, as he dips through with the magic thing, he like drunkenly stumbles, bouncing around at the rainbow lights. And as he poofs out to the entrance of the place, you can see he's still kind of drunkenly stumbling his way down the road. And at a certain point, he just turns clean around after, after like expecting somebody's behind him and sees you just, you know, hey all six foot some change just standing behind him like hey <laughs> like oh god no it's him the deceiver yeah Jarzak goes and reaches and puts one hand on his axe it's like were you trying to kill him in there or was that just a prank and he's like a prank 
No, 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 no. You saw the doggy too, right? That wasn't you? No. I wish I could summon tripping dogs. Or was it a fox? Maybe a I, jackal. I think, I think it was a fox. It could have been yeah. a jackal. Probably. I have fox blindness, so it must have been a jackal. Ah, oh, yeah, true. Right, That's a good point. Right, right. Uh, let me buy you around. He says, oh, no, I don't drink at this time of night. Well, give like me five or so minutes and I'll be ready to go. Okay. <laughs> so I guess you two head off to the local tavern right down the street from the uh, simulating tower and fucking okay. You guys just walk <laughs> in and see a bunch of seafaring folk just kind of hanging out at this hour of night, just sloshing, dancing, singing and all that stuff. And uh, two very familiar faces from across the way seem to look back at you almost immediately upon entering this room, and you hear a loud, grumbling voice saying, I said I was the best at stones, but they didn't believe it. Look, it's him! And they just, one giant Goliath leaps up fast enough to knock a table clean across the room, and he stands up pointing at your general direction. You can see a white-scaled dragonborn just start to try to pick up all the different stuff, tilting the table back up, and just God, and just picking up everything after him. And he points and he waves and says, Hi, Jorzak! Hey. All right, let's settle this. Let's see who's the strongest once and for all. Let's see who can hold their breath the longest. Ready? Three, two, one, go! And he's like, <laughs> I'm made of rock. I don't breathe anyway. Oh, God. We're gonna They're, still standing here. <laughs> They're still standing here to this day. <laughs> <laughs> to give up now would just be silly, really. But with that, the uh, halfling walks right by the social interaction, not paying a single moment's heed to any of the cleaning, the tables, any of this giant goliaths swinging hands around or anything. And he just pops a seat up by, over the, by the bar, and you see him point with his finger back at you. And it seems like he's telling the bartender that you're paying for his drinks. I'll give a thumbs up. So with that, the bartender shakes his head and lifts up behind the bar at some dangling glasses, which looked more decorative than anything, but pulls down this, like, three-glass, diagonally-stacked, strange, fountainish glass. Like, they, like it's, it's like three goblets stacked diagonally, okay? And each one of them seems like it pours into the next one. And sh still shaking his head, this bartender fills it with three different colored liquids, and lights a fire on the bottom one, which sets off like three different colors of smoke amongst all three of them. And the little halfling looks back at you and he says, I don't even drink. I just like the showmanship. <laughs> and with that, the bartender just keeps shaking his head and puts a single maranchino cherry in the top one as it floats to the second one turning blue and floats to the bottom one turning yellow. And with that, he slides it across to the halfling and the halfling just kind of sits there tapping his hands on the counter excitedly. Perfect. So what would you like to do as apparently this has become the Jarzak show? Oh no, I just just wanted to see if it was him who cast that. If it was, this would have went very, very differently. Uh he's just gonna hang out till it's time to go. He'll okay. keep he'll kinda cause he can kind of see the the place they left from where they are, right? Or is it too far yeah, away? Yeah, yeah. No, you're yeah, only so like five minutes he'll, away. He'll keep an eye out if whenever Kleeka comes out that he'll join back up with her okay so you Callith, the dragonborn lady there and oh both come over and sit down at the bar next to you and the uh, triple drink geezer uh and all four of you guys just look like a, a super strange only in a port town variety of characters here and with that the uh, old man leans into you and he says it's good luck you know what's good luck buying my drink but also the that fox? weird dog that wasn't a fox. The jackal. Yeah, I think it might have been a fox. See, I suffer from jackal blindness on occasion, but uh, yeah. And with that, Yig Kalith kind of leans in trying to half hear what's going on over there and she says, you saw a jackal? Uh, I guess it could have been a fox. He, it, with that, um, Aldo leans in and he says, yeah, jury's still out on the whole fox-jackal debate, but we're willing to say it was some variety of small mammal. And so with that, she says, where I come from, that's a sign of good luck, but also a sign of 
brief chaos. Yeah, I mean, what happens if it's tripping people? Probably chaos, right? And with that, Ox says, Do you want to play stones? Yeah, but let's play stones. And Yigkala just kind of leans in and she says, I'm afraid it's hard to tell what that means. But all I can say is, it means something. Where did you see it? Uh, in our meeting over there. It was just there? Yeah, ran right past, trip, tripped people up, and disappeared. And so she shakes her head like vigorously for a second, and she says, I need two drinks. One for me, and one for me after I finish the first one. She says, you've been touched by Domro. This is an omen or a blessing. It, it's hard to tell until devastation occurs. And with that, two drinks come over and she points one of her scaly thumbs over at Jarzag and says, he's got it. I, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I got it, but I wouldn't know if I've been touched. I didn't get touched. With that, Ock just kind of steps in and he says, are we playing stones or drinking? Because I'll have two as well. He's by. And so yeah. two more get dropped off we're, to him. We're playing drinking stones. With that, um, she just kind of says, she says, do you know of Domro? Do you people speak of Domro where you're from? Uh, hey, hey, Dan, do, do my people speak? <laughs> no, I, they, okay. they, they uh, do not. No. And so she just kind of leans back a little bit, sipping on the sour whiskey that she got in the uh, first glass there. And as she slurps it back with a puckering snap of her lips, she says, yes. I I don't know how to break this to you, but Domro is more of a myth, more of a legend to many small peoples and small tribes, superstitions and whatnot, but Domro is a god, an immortal of trickery and chaos, good luck and deception. Some say he walks a path of evil. Some say he walks a path of good. Those who make the claims are those who got one side of the coin. I'm afraid you don't know what side of the coin you've gotten. But whatever it is that you do next, be careful. I'm pretty sure I don't need luck. Well, it's been nice, guys. See ya. Uh, I'll, yeah, I'll pay for these couple. <laughs> and with that, the bartender leans and he says, that's going to be 35 gold pieces. No, you're shitting me. Yeah, that that uh, uh really triple drink right there. That was thirty three gold pieces. Yeah, just uh, put it on my tab. I'll be back. Roll for deception, would you? <laughs> it's like, why is your hand glowing? Yeah. Uh, an eleven. Hopefully, he rolled that. Because I sure. I did. mean. He's a night shift uh, bartender. So with that, he leans in and he says, no, I'm not going to let a tab like this stand. I know you're not coming back. Pay me. And he puts a fat finger on the table. You look at his hands and you see scars and missing digits as if this man's been through quite a bit and making the frilly drink was certainly not something he was willing to do without a fight. You said how much? 35 gold? 30 gold? 35. 35 and 7 silver. Here you go, bud. There's a tip. That, he gives a, a little nod and Yid Kalith grabs you by the hand as you start to put the coins down and walk away. She grabs you by the hand and she says, listen, I know we do not know each other very well, but where are you going? Uh, oh, man, I spaced in that meeting. We're going on a <laughs> boat. <laughs> Boat and ventures. With, Aldo <laughs> says, they're going to ask Cabellum to see the king for a secret meeting. Oh, there you go, bud. Why did we even meet in secret if we we're just going to tell everyone? Well, I <laughs> guess it was a secret. That's my bad. Oops. <laughs> All right. And well, so, you get the next round of drinks. But with that, she, she kind of leans in again, holding your hand now with both of hers. And she says, you have been touched by Domro. I'm coming with you. Yeah, sure. I need to come with you. I, I already said yes. 
No, you, you do not understand. <laughs> no, I already, you don't understand. I, uh, it's been confirmed. You can come with us. I can't let you go until you allow me this journey. Yeah. <laughs> All Kaleen's in and he just says, I think he's letting you go. Yeah, he says, I am. Oh, stay I'm out of this. I can fight my own battles. You know what? We, we cannot afford anyone like you to slow us down. Fine, then I'll just stay here. Okay. Good. No. I guess we'll look for someone else to help us. Fuck, I'll go. <laughs> and so with that, she she just says, please, before you leave in the morning, come get me an Ock. We will come with you. Where are you staying? Here. Okay. I'll find you. And with that, she gives you a very sincere look and she nods her head low. And just kind of lifts her head back up again, as if in some sort of strange foreign salute. But with that, they let Tra- you go back to your chamber. Trezak tries to kind of mimic it, but does it really bad. <laughs> bonks her in the head. Yeah, I don't What are we doing? <laughs> I gotta go. And so with that, the unless there was any other role playing to be done. Oh, Kleeko was talking with, uh, with uh, what's his Rudolu? face there? Yeah, Rudalu was the one who gave you the potions, yeah. Unless you didn't want to. I mean, I, it's fine with me. Uh, are we picking back up from him just being dropped on the ground? Yeah. Uh, yeah, Klinka will help him up, like you said, obviously. Um, are, are you okay? And he says... Yeah, I I don't exactly know what I tripped over, but I don't know. That was weird. But anyway, thank you. Um, Klinka just wanted to say thank you very much for the potions you provided us. Um, Tarzarja was not himself when we first met him and Anton and Norhill were hurt more than they could take but your potions allowed me to save them and so So. with that he says you know it's the weirdest thing but I found those potions in my pocket and I hadn't brewed those since I was just training at the alchemist guild when I was a teenager and I, I've worn this 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 robe for decades now, so I it's the strangest thing. But as soon as I saw them in my pocket, I figured, eh, maybe it was a weird turn of fate. Maybe it was a little stroke of luck. But I figured you needed the luck and the extra push more than I did. So I guess the least I could do is pass some of that luck on to you guys. And I'm I'm very glad to hear that it worked out in your favor. Yeah, it really did. Uh, so your um your fishing thing is broken downstairs and we can't catch any fish. Did, did you try to climb into it? I mean Klika dipped her toes, but me did and Jarzak you bring sand back into our dimension. <laughs> me and Jarzak tried to fish all night Whoa. and we didn't catch anything. You need to go now. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but um, so with that, he just says, no, no, no. You had it in no fish mode. See, there's two modes on it. It's either it's either Sahuagin mode or no fish mode. I don't recommend putting on Sahuagin mode. It's it's really not what it's cracked up to be. Do. Well. Is it fun? No. It's it's really not. Hmm. Where's the button for it? He turns and just starts <laughs> walking away. And with that, the party gets their rest for the evening before leaving in the morning. Is Jarzak actually going to go pick up Big Calith and Auk? Okay. And so with that, when morning light comes, the earliest cracking of dawn here, the party head out probably like three o'clock, four o'clock in the morning there and stop over at the tavern, pick up Yggdalith and Auk. And as you guys 
head your way down to the docks with Caracol and Marge leading the troop. You guys see a boat parked perfectly in the spot expected, known as the Wave Wraith. And as you guys are guided on to the uh, boat here, an old swarthy sea dog of a captain approaches you guys with a hand reached outward, and he says, Welcome to the Wave Wraith. I will be your captain. And he smiles a grin filled with gold teeth, and a lot of strange overtones. But that's where we're going to end it. Hey everyone, I want to thank you all for listening to another episode of the podcast. It really means a lot to me to have everybody listening in. And if you have anything you'd like to say, any comments or anything like that, shoot me a tweet over at ygrognard on Twitter. Or you can even send me an email at younggrognard at gmail.com. I look forward to everything you guys have to say, and it's always a pleasure to engage with anybody listening to the show. And as always, be sure to keep things... Dungeons. Dungeons.